Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you from socially distant locations at Lambeau Field. And Wes, last Sunday night, the snow was falling. It was gathering on Lambeau Field. The hash marks were brushed off. It was a classic post-Christmas, winter, December game at Lambeau Field. And oh, by the way, the Packers put together probably their best performance on both sides of the ball on the season in dismantling a 10-win Tennessee Titans team, 40-14. to Mike, I have to make this point before we even jump into this game. You mentioned this was the best, most complete performance. You wrote about it for Packers.com, and you're right about that. This was also the quintessential Green Bay Packers December football game using the elements to their advantage. I was trying to think of the last game that where it just seemed like the Packers were able to use the home field advantage to their betterment, to uh, their advantage, and, and, and being able to take advantage of the, the, the snow falling, the conditions, the way they ran the ball 37 times or whatever it ended up being. And it was just, it was everything you wanted it to be. And defensively, they embraced those elements. Everything that worked for Green Bay's offense also worked for the defense in this matchup. The Green Bay Packers come out with a dominating 40 to 14 win. You look at the performance of A.J. Dillon breaking out when everybody was focused on Derrick Henry. Here comes the rookie second round pick gets inserted in the game with Jamal Williams already down with a thigh injury. Then Aaron Jones is dealing with a lower body injury. Jones is able to return, but they really rode Dylan and he stepped up to the challenge. And before we go any farther with anything else, Devonte Adams, three more touchdowns towards his season total 17. Now on the season one off the franchise record pace of Sterling sharp also within, I believe four catches now, correct me if I'm wrong on that. As far as breaking the single season, Mark Devonte Adams is as good as they get. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot of ground to cover in this show. I You raised an interesting thing, though, about a late season game where the Packers really took advantage of the elements. And while the opponent sort of looked out of its element the way Tennessee did in that game. And the one that comes to mind was during the, uh, the run the table in 2016, frankly, when the Houston Texans, yeah. not a great Houston Texans team, but not a bad one, came into Lambeau Field late in the year. And there was kind of some snow, maybe a little bit of sleet. And Houston just looked almost dysfunctional. Now, Tennessee wasn't quite like no, that, right. but the Packers jumped on them 19 to nothing, three straight touchdowns to open the game. The defense had an interception in there with Darnell Savage getting one to set up a score. Packers were in command of this game. And even when Tennessee got the double up, the touchdown before halftime, the touchdown right after halftime, suddenly 19 to zero becomes 19 to 14. And it's a one score game. The Packers answered Aaron Jones busts off a big run, got a little lucky because they missed the call there on stepping out of bounds, but the Packers took three plays, scored a touchdown. We're back up by two scores, stayed in command of the game the rest of the way. And that, that response against a good team in the second half, when the momentum was starting to shift the other way, that was a big positive sign. I think for this Packers team, because we've seen in other games where it's been harder, it's taken longer to stem the tide and get the momentum back in green Bay's favor. The Packers did it right away in the third quarter in this one. And uh, that's a really good sign heading into the playoffs. 
Yeah, it's one of the most overlooked 59-yard runs you're going to find uh, when you and everything else that happened in this matchup. Aaron Rodgers making his run at the MVP. You had another Darnell Savage interception. All these other accolades. Oh, by the way, Aaron Jones at a time in which the Packers really needed a response provided that response. And it also came, again, after he'd been sort of sidelined momentarily, was never disclosed with an injury, but obviously was battling through a couple things there. And also, Mike, you got to remember a week earlier, that game uh, you know, against Carolina, the third quarter was sort of the, the bugaboo there. They weren't able to get through what they were trying to get through, and they kind of had to end up holding them off. This was where they actually got it going again to be able to get their foot back on the gas pedal and, and finish out the way that they did. And just to mention this as well, with Aaron Jones, 94 yards in this matchup, I thought, what it was at 234 total for the two of them. Yeah. Uh, that's the type of production you're looking for. And when all eyes are on Derek Henry and you're able to hold him underneath hundred yards rushing and a yeoman's effort by the entire defense, the front, the, uh, the defensive front, the linebackers, uh, the safeties are playing as well as they have all season. Uh, that really set the tone for what Green Bay was able to accomplish. And Mike, the biggest compliment you can give a defense, it isn't necessarily just looking at, okay, 260 total yards or, or two takeaways. It's what can teams that are going to play the Titans learn from your performance? I think Mike Pettin and that unit provided some glimpses into what it's going to take to hold off the Titans in the long run. They're not always going to be playing in the snow, but you saw exactly how much their offense is predicated on the play action. And when they were not able to establish Henry early on in this matchup, the downfield passing game sort of went away for the Titans a little bit. That's one thing to take note of here, considering Tennessee came in as the NFL's highest scoring offense in the Lambeau field on Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Packers held the top scoring offense in the league to just the two touchdowns. And you're right. They really didn't have much of a downfield passing game. I think a lot of that was because Derrick Henry was not busting off the kind of runs that set up the play action and get Ryan Tannehill comfortable in the pocket and all of that. I believe it was, if I remember right from a statistic that I had um, in Insider Inbox on Monday morning, I wrote it pretty late at night, so I'm hoping to remember it correctly. <laughs> but Henry had 23 carries for 98 yards. Only five of those 23 carries did he gain more than five yards. Mm -hmm. And three of those five carries of five plus came after the Packers were already ahead 33 yes. to 14 in the game. So the effort to clamp down on Derrick Henry and, and to say, you know, to say the Packers clamped down on him and he had 98 yards that tells you how good Henry is, but it also just shows the, the effort that the Packers put forth. And we saw, we saw Mike Pettin try a lot of different things. He played a six man front with four defensive linemen in between the two outside linebackers. He played a five man front even when he was playing the nickel with five defensive backs, only having the one inside linebacker in between, he tried all, all kinds of these different change-ups. And what happened is the Packers made those wrinkles work. And they also, it also just threw Tennessee off just a little bit. You saw Tannehill changing some plays at the line of scrimmage. They weren't really sure what they wanted to do. And that Tennessee offense never got into a rhythm whatsoever. And, but I will say this, as much as people want to talk about, and I've got some film clips in my, what you might've missed on the change-ups that Mike Pettin put together defensively for Derrick Henry, it still comes down to getting off blocks and making tackles. You yep. can look at the plays that I have on the website and yes, the scheme was there and some things worked, but 
the Titans also had guys blocked and the Packers made plays because guys got off blocks and made tackles. So that part of it doesn't change it. The effort all across the board, all three levels of the defense for the Packers got the job done. And Oh, by the way, yeah, they got two interceptions off of Tannehill yeah. as well with Savage and Kirksey, both getting picks, uh, you know, in some key situations. In savvy ways in which they were able to generate those pressures, Mike, this was a selfless effort on the defensive side of the ball. They had to go into this game knowing, okay, it's going to be very unlikely we're going to sack Ryan Tannehill eight times and we're just going to have uh, a litany of celebrations to do that with. No, it was going to be a hard work, bring your lunch pail to the field type of day. And everybody executed what their assignment was supposed to be. You can have the best plan in the world, Mike. And Mike Pettin drew up a heck of a one for that matchup. But the guys got to buy in, and they have to know what's being asked of them in the base package, in the dime where they bring up Adrian Amos into the box. Adrian Amos, excuse me, got to get that correct. Uh, <laughs> when they bring him up into the box, that role that Raven Green had been playing, Everybody filtered in the, the linebackers, Mike, they're rotating all three of their inside backers and there was no confusion there. Everybody understood what their assignment was. That's where it starts in the execution side of it. You kind of heard it in Kenny Clark's voice last week when he spoke to the media, these guys were jacked up about this. They were excited about this challenge. They felt like they had made big strides, but now they had the really big quiz at the end of the semester to show exactly how far they've come. And they did that in that matchup. And it's getting back really quickly to the sacks. As you pointed out, Christian Kirksey coming on an inside linebacker blitz in a base package. How yeah. often have you seen that in the last 10 years? And then Rashawn Gary, who's really his biggest contribution was helping defend the edge and, and set the run. Well, he's also the one that was able to get pressure that set up Darnell Savage's first interception. Preston Smith doing that for Christian Kirksey. It's not all about sacks. It's about how much you affect the game. The Green Bay Packers outside linebackers did it in this one. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, hats off to the Green Bay Packers offensive line. You talk about a unit that looked in its element with all that snow on the field and the way the Packers were running the ball. It didn't matter if it was Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon in the game. I don't think anybody predicted Dillon was going to get 20-plus carries and outrush Derrick Henry heading into this one. But that's exactly what he did when Dylan started to get the hot hand and started to feel it. Aaron Rodgers talked about it. he could, he could sense the rookie's confidence building that you know once you start breaking off some five and six and seven yard runs, the confidence starts to grow. And then all of a sudden, here comes a twelve yard run. And then oh by the way, here's a thirty yard run on third and short that bust for a touchdown. And then of course he finishes it off just trucking a defensive tackle at the goal line to get his second touchdown capping a 124 yard performance by the rookie this is really interesting here now Wes heading into the playoffs the Packers suddenly have a, a shiny fresh new weapon to uh, to throw into this offense who now they don't completely change the running game scheme wise depending on which back is in there but AJ Dillon is a different style of back as we've talked about and he showed he showed what he can do, and as I like to point out, those big legs are fresh, aren't they? They sure are, Mike. Our friend James Jones made an excellent point saying it kind of, in a way, reminds him the old James Starks in oh, 2010. Yeah. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong, A.J. Dillon comes much more credential than James did as a six-round pick out of Buffalo at the time, but it really is a guy that up until Sunday only had 24 carries on those legs to that point. Didn't have a preseason at all. I mean, this is a guy that has to work his way back 
from being on the COVID reserve list for a month. And he looked every bit as strong and every bit as powerful as you and I were discussing back in the spring when you wrote that story on him coming out of the NFL draft. And to make this point as well, I, I, I'm going to keep doing this, Mike, because Matt LaFleur is very calculated with what he says. He doesn't just say stuff to say it. And I, it was a big moment. And maybe I'm making more of it than what other people are. But he was standing at that podium back in February when life was just a little bit more normal at the time. And he said, we have two fantastic backs. We love both of these guys. We would like a third. We want another option. Brian Gutekunst two months later gave him that other option in AJ Dillon. And now assuming they can get Jamal Williams back here, AJ, uh, Aaron Rodgers sounded optimistic about that. They have three guys that they can shove down the throat of defenses in the postseason. Aaron Jones injury complicated things a little bit, but I do wonder how much we're going to see some of those two running back packages, getting those back involved, being able to motion guys out, being more unpredictable. There is we're in week 17, Mike. And there's still a lot left in the cupboard for the Packers to pull from. Yeah, this is going to be interesting moving forward here with with what with the options that the Packers are going to have in the backfield. We saw once again, as we've talked about many times after games this year, just how difficult this Packers offense is to stop when it is running the football efficiently. And I'll say this too, heading into the postseason, and then I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams because there's plenty to discuss there. But I wonder here moving forward, if the second half of the Carolina game, which was two stinker quarters, as Aaron Rodgers put it, I wonder if that might have been a really good thing to happen to this offense. And I say that because Carolina decided they were going to take away Devontae Adams. The Packers were determined to still get the ball to Devontae Adams. And after the game, both Matt LaFleur and then as the week went on, Aaron Rodgers both admitted they got away from the running game against Carolina and it had been working. It was what made the offense so efficient in the first half against Carolina. I think there was a lesson learned there by the play caller, by the quarterback, by the entire offense with what happened in the second half at Carolina. I think that's potentially a good thing for Green Bay moving forward. Mike, you like my, my fighting analogies. I know you're a huge fan of them, but it, it really reminds you as kind of like a sparring fight, a sparring boxing match a little bit. Carolina Panthers, they, their record is what that is, but there are a lot of talented players on that defense. Brian Burns and I think Jeremy Chin are going to be guys that really rise up and become perennial pro bowlers in this league. But the Panthers were an opponent everyone expected the Packers to beat. The Panthers kind of reminded everybody that, okay, we can still come up and we can make adjustments and we can find ways to take away your best player. So what do the Packers do? They take that experience and they go up against a Tennessee Titans team that while their record is better, their defense has some major issues right now. They were working through some problems. The, the sacks, the lack of sacks this season, that was prevalent in this game. I thought it weighed really heavily into the final outcome. But the Packers use what they had done to make adjustments to make Devontae Adams that much better in this matchup. He got single coverage in the end zone. He caught a touchdown. They gave him cloud coverage, two guys on him. Devontae Adams used every single little, uh, what, what do they call that? The little thing in the cleat, right? The, the spike. The, yeah, the, the spike. Thank you. Yeah. He used every single one of those cut back, shed both of his guys and was able to catch the other touchdown pass. Green Bay Packers moved Devontae Adams around a lot in this game. 11 catches, 142 yards and two, three touchdowns later. Again, a running game that can complement an all-pro receiver. There's a lot of weapons here for Green Bay to tap into in January. Yeah, no question about it. Well, Aaron Rodgers, all he did on a snowy and somewhat windy game, at least it was windy for the first half before things calmed down a little bit, 
he goes out and throws four touchdown passes, which matches the number of incompletions he has and going 21 out of 25 puts up another monster passer rating does throw an interception, which obviously bothered him and, and uh, you know, always will. But uh, I tell you, Wes, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about Adams here as well, but I just don't see right now how Aaron Rodgers is not the 2020 NFL most valuable player. I, he's got, he's got a lead of whatever it is, eight or nine passer rating points on um, Patrick Mahomes at this point. He still has fewer interceptions than Mahomes. He's got 44 touchdown passes. He's one away from his own career high back in 2011 when he had 45 and had that NFL record 122 and a half passer rating. I think Aaron Rodgers uh, locked down the MVP with that performance against what still looks like a playoff bound team in the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. And I, I think the odds makers do too, as well, from what I saw this past week in the, the national media. Uh, but here's the thing the, what I love so much about what Rodgers has done this season is you can talk about the 44 touchdown passes, another 4,000 yard season. The first quarterback, what is it, NFL history to have three seasons or f- is it five seasons now with over 35 passes and touchdown passes in a season? But it's the 70% completion percentage. That's the difference here. This is a guy that was around in the low 60s for a couple seasons. People were talking about him throwing the ball away too much, holding on to the ball too long. He is playing on time. He's playing in sync. And I think you've seen the evolution of a guy that has always been an MVP caliber quarterback and will be a first ballot Hall of Famer someday. And you've seen him sort of grow into himself as now a 37-year-old quarterback that needs to play the game a little differently. The arm strength is there. The awareness is still at its peak. And Rodgers still can scramble enough to keep a defense honest. He just looks like the full five-tool player that everybody thought he was. And he's showing everybody that that guy's still very much here. And and in my opinion, he has to be the MVP at this point. If Aaron Rodgers isn't the MVP, you're changing the metric. You're moving the goalpost to avoid giving him that award. He was taking on the running back that is the highest guy in in that competition. And Patrick Mahomes has had an up and down month of December. They've won games, but it hasn't been because of his dominance. Aaron Rodgers has been dominant. And for a team that allegedly didn't have any weapons at the beginning of the season, I mean, this was, you know, if you put Wes Hotkowitz out there, this team isn't winning anything, right? That's what they were saying with, uh, with, you know, they needed a first round receiver and all that. Well, if that's true, here's judgment day. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has made this team better and he's gotten the most out of the, the talent that was always there that maybe people didn't want to realize. Yeah. And if he does win that third MVP, he would join some pretty select company, only five players in NFL history in terms of the Associated Press NFL MVP award, which began in the late 1950s, only five players have won three. And we're talking about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Jim Brown, and Johnny Unitas. Aaron Rodgers would be the sixth to, uh, to make that a half dozen. Um, before we get to those records of Devonte Adams that you mentioned earlier, Wes, I cannot forget about the sponsor business today. So Sirius XM NFL radio channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the national football league seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans score up to $500 for your devotion to the pack. When you open a Packers checking account from associated bank, learn more at associatedbank.com backslash Packers. All right. Devonte Adams, Wes, gets three touchdowns, another double-digit reception, another 100-plus-yard game. 
ho-hum performance. <laughs> I, I, say, I, I say that completely in jest, but he's just, he's done it so many times here in 2020. But you are right. He now with 109 receptions and with 17 touchdowns, he is four catches and two touchdowns away from breaking the Packers single season franchise records in those categories held by Sterling Sharp. Sharp had 112 catches, 18 touchdowns. Those are the records. He's also 192 yards away from breaking his buddy Jordy Nelson's single season receiving yardage record of 1519. Now 192 <laughs> odds on that one are not as good, but I wouldn't put anything past him at this point. That being said, which record or records do you think Devontae Adams gets here in week 17 at Chicago? I want him to get the receptions record. Um, and the main reason for that is I think in my opinion, and if you want to debate, we most certainly can. I mean, this is the greatest possession receiver in Packers history. Um, Don Hudson's incredible. He did some amazing things. The vertical passing game was so primitive and what they were able to accomplish was amazing. James Lofton, Sterling Sharp, some great, great receivers. Devontae Adams, what he can do with the ball in his hands and his ability to get open to catch those passes, I've never seen anything like it. And again, I, I made this point in Insider Inbox. I, I don't watch every single opponent. I don't get a chance to see DeAndre Hopkins on a daily basis and some of these other you know top-of-the-line receivers. But, Mike, every single game, there's one moment where I just say to myself, how did he catch that? How, how did he make that catch against these type of cornerbacks that he's going up against? Every single week, Devontae Adams is getting the best effort, the best defender that the defense has to offer. Oh, and then, by the way, usually has a safety paying attention to his whereabouts as well. It hasn't mattered. He catches the ball. Aaron Rodgers has such a great talent, right? He, he can put the ball wherever he wants on the field, and he has the arm strength to do it. And Devontae Adams, in those very small windows in which Rodgers can deliver that football, 99 times out of 100 catches them. I saw there was that, that stat a couple days ago from Pro Football Focus that they hadn't even charted him for a drop until, what was it, two weeks ago? I mean, th the fact that this guy has been able to accomplish what he has, that's why I think the, the possession record, more than any other one, no matter how many receiving yards he ends up, or if he does break Sharp's touchdown record, his possessions and his ability to catch the amount of passes he has over the last few seasons, it's off the charts. Yeah, I, I'm with you that if he's only going to get one of these single season franchise records, I'd like it to be the receptions one as well. Because just two years ago, he had 111 receptions, one off of Sharp's record with one game to go. And he ended up with a little bit of a bum knee and the Packers sat him and he wasn't able to play in week 17 in order to break that record. So this is his chance again. Now he goes into the final game with 109 receptions, uh, three shy of tying sharp and four shy of beating him. So the Packers 12 and three, one game left to go in the regular season. There are two ways, Wes, that the Packers can lock down the number one seed for the NFC in the playoffs. It's I either. I wish we ahead. had like a little graphic that came down. Like, yeah, we need at this time because you're the, the, you're the expert on this. I just sit here. I'm the fan. I, I just watch at this. <laughs> it's moment. Okay. 
But the two ways are this. The Packers can beat the Chicago Bears, and it doesn't matter what anybody else does. And that's really the situation the Packers have been in for the last couple weeks. I believe when it was three games left to go, it was if the Packers win their last three, they get the one seed. That hasn't changed. The Packers have won the first two. If they beat the Bears, they get the one seed. The other way is if the Seattle Seahawks lose to the San Francisco 49ers, then the Packers don't need to beat the Bears in order to get the one seed. The other intrigue that's thrown into this here with this being a week 17 Packers bears matchup at soldier field is the bears are fighting for a playoff spot as well. If the bears beat the Packers, they get into the playoffs. Chicago also can get into the playoffs with a loss to the Packers. If the Arizona Cardinals lose to the Rams, except the Rams now don't have their starting quarterback. So I don't think the bears are going to put a whole lot of stock into that. They are going to take the field on Sunday, 325 p.m. kickoff in Chicago playing for their playoff lives you and I were walking out uh on the after the game on Sunday I believe it was and you mentioned how the the interesting thing about how week 17 shapes up is and I think the Sunday night game is what is it Washington Washington against Philly Philly yeah it, it is interesting how there are so many intriguing like spider webs that connect through all this yeah. but there isn't like just one okay Packers versus Bears 2013 winner take all for the NFC North. There aren't any, there aren't a lot of those matchups. And that's what makes this game so compelling. The number of layers involved with this matchup against the Bears, the history, the rivalry, the fact that Mitchell Trubisky's had is had some bad moments against Green Bay that I'm sure he wants to exercise. The fact that Green Bay, the last big carry they gave up was against David Montgomery last month. How Khalil Mack has been affected in this. The fact that uh, Akeem Hicks didn't play in the first game between these right. teams. There are a lot of storylines to follow. And I'm sure Green, you look at San Francisco right now, Mike, Jeff Wilson, what he did last week against that Seattle defense, it's very possible that the 49ers find a way to win that and their season on a high note. But the Green Bay Packers want to win this game. They are not going to be looking at what happens there. They, If they feel like they're going to be a team that wins the Super Bowl, that can contend to add another Lombardi trophy to this stadium, they want to beat the Chicago Bears regardless of that. So it's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to be a fun week in the fact that you and I are going to be sitting here at Lambeau Field. We won't be in Soldier Field. Uh, I think you're going to feel the energy. I think you're going to see it on television what this matchup means for both of these teams, Green Bay looking to lock down that number one and the Chicago Bears rising themselves from the dead a little bit to maybe pay, make a playoff push. Yeah, the Bears trying to become just the third team since the 1970 NFL-AFL merger to have a six-game losing streak during a season and still make the playoffs. Only two other teams have done it, the 1970 Cincinnati Bengals and the 2014 Carolina Panthers. So we'll have a lot more to talk about with regard to the Bears later this week. And this whole playoff scenario, Wes, you know, the Seahawks game, the the Cardinals Rams game that impacts Packers Bears and all that, all those games are going to be going on at the same time. That's how the NFL has set it up. So uh, it'll be you and I doing the scoreboard, watching the players on the field, not quite sure how much they'll be able to pay attention. But with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all week long on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.